You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. Welcome back to The Crossroad Podcast. As always, I'm Joey Willis here with my wife, Kylie Willis. And we've got a guest with us this week, a special treat for you. Uh, his name is Tim Dunn. He's a businessman involved in politics, involved in church, and perhaps more importantly than all of that, a family man. So Tim is a seasoned vet in making decisions, thousands of decisions every day. And uh, this episode, we want to talk about foinking. And so we'll get to that in a minute. Some of you have probably heard of FOMO, the fear of missing out, and you've probably used that acronym uh, to describe some of your feelings, some of your emotions. And so, Tim, why don't you introduce us to uh, the acronym FOINKING, what it is and and how it relates to our process of decision-making. Okay. Well, thanks, Joe and Kylie. Uh, FOINKING stands for uh, Fear of Imaginary Negative Consequences. And it's a, I'm not sure who coined the term, but it's uh, something that I learned. FOINKING is, I think, just a thing that people do and some people do it more naturally than others. And what it is is really just your mind's proclivity to imagine future events. So everybody does this a little. Some people do it so little that it, it's not even impactful to them. But some people, like me, automatically imagine all kinds of scenarios in every instance. Your mind automatically you know, you, you meet someone and you automatically say, well, that person is going to do this and then this and this, and then it's going to turn out this way. Or you see a circumstance and you say, oh, that's going to lead to this and then this and then this and then this and then this. Your mind automatically does it and it sets up this imaginary chain of events. And so the, the question is really for people who have this orientation, and if someone is an Enneagram fan, this is uh, the numbers, people that are sixes uh, tend to be uh, more uh, inclined to do this sort of thing uh, in that system. But really, I would say any anybody can do this. Uh, so if you're, if you're inclined to do this, uh, it can either be a great asset or a debilitation, just like anything else, just like ADHD. It can be a great asset or a debilitation. It depends on what you do with it. So let's unpack both of those now. How can it be a great asset? And then after you sort of talk through that, how can it debilitate our ability to make choices or decisions? Mm-hmm. Well, it might be useful just to tell this as kind of a story. I have a friend that kind of learned all this. Um, they call it structural thinking, I think, like your mind has certain ways it operates and this is one of the things they've observed, foinking. And he said, I think you're a foinker. And he explained what it was. And I said, yeah, that is. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> and he It doesn't said, sound very pleasant when you hear it. No, it doesn't. But I, I had gotten into the, into the habit of uh, seeking to see things as they are. So uh, my natural sort of orientation towards defensiveness had started to come down because I had I had learned to stop defending. I was more like uh, 
And why don't I just see it? If, if something is true, I can do something about it. If it's not, you know, it usually shouldn't matter. So um, I tend to be less defensive uh, because I started choosing that perspective. And, and what, well, here, here's what he told me. He said, well, here's what you tend to do if you're a foinker. You imagine a string of events. And then in order to and, – and it'll have some outcome you don't like, so it's a negative consequence. Because this, this same thing can be a positive consequence too. You know, I'm oh, that person likes me. I'm going to fall in love. We're going to get married, live happily ever after. But um, it, it tends to be debilitating. It can actually be debilitating then too because it can lead you into uh, living in an imaginary world instead of a real world. But Sort of the, like the embracing of – imaginary positive consequences <laughs> you, you, you really can you can you can dream so much you never actually create an action plan to do something uh, but on the negative side he said what you tend to do is you have some string of events so let's say you're a, a mom and you have a, a child with a messy room and you say oh, okay well children with messy room, are not responsible. So let's say you're a clean person. If you're like me, you would never think this way because <laughs> I'm a messy person. So, But you might say, well, if they can't clean their room, then they're not responsible. If they're not responsible, then they're not going to get educated. And if they can't gonna get educated, they're not going to get a good job. If they don't get a good job, they're going to they're going to end up homeless, and they're going to end up homeless. They're going to be a drug addict, and they're going to end up drug addict. They're going to be overdosed in the curb, all because my child didn't have, you know, didn't clean their room. And so, and so, then you go in and you say, "I must make my child clean their room because it's keeping them from being a dead drug addict." See, don't you see the connection? And and actually, what you're doing is you're stealing the agency of your child. <laughs> and teaching them that they have no ability to make choices in the world because you're controlling them and you're debilitating them from being a functional adult. So they may actually end up in the gutter, but because you were foinking and trying to control them that they end up in the gutter. Uh, so it's it, that's the way it can be debilitating. So he, he said to me um, that you tend to kind of do this one thing and try to control this thing, in order to control the future, and you're living this illusion both of control because tr- you can try to control someone. You never will. You may, you may, They may give you the illusion of control because they're, they're uh, ch- making choices to do what you want them to do, but what, uh, you're not actually controlling them. So you have the illusion of control and the illusion of controlling the future. So you're living an illusory life as though you control things. And what you do instead is say, okay, all right, well, that may happen. My child may grow up, be irresponsible, and be a drug addict, okay? So I do two things. Uh, I took I took this training, I do two things. And I say, okay, um, you know, is that a possibility? Yes, it's, it's almost always the answer is a possibility. All right. Well, is there something that if they if that happened, is there something that I would look back and say, man, I really wish I had done so and so? And if the answer to that's yes, I'll do that thing. So in the case of now, in the case of this messy room idea, that's actually a false, a false uh, scenario. But let's let's say you know you you think about the zombie apocalypse. You know the zomb- the zombie apocalypse may happen. Well. Probably not going to be zombies, right? But something, somebody that uh, you know, the, a meteor could hit the world, or um, 
you know, uh, a pandemic could happen. Uh, how about that? And um, so and if that takes place, uh, is there anything I wish I would have done? Well, you know, maybe I wish I would have uh, had a backup generator or I, met, I wish I would have, uh, you know, had a couple of weeks of food in the house or I wish I had uh, taken a vaccination or I wish I had done whatever. Well, then go do those things. I mean, it's it's not that big a deal. You can go do that. That's fine. Um, but then once you've done that thing, then you, then you ask that yourself a second question, which is, if that happens, if there's a pandemic, can I trust God then? Or can I only trust God if, if that doesn't happen? Well, the answer is always yes, you can trust God, because that's one of the three things you can control, right, is who you trust. And you can always trust God. But by asking yourself that question, you actually bring to life a, a reality that, you know, I still have agency over trust no matter what happens. I do not have agency over circumstances. So why should I have living in an illusion as though I do? And so it's a, it's a way of, of uh, sort of, I guess, shocking yourself into thinking properly about what you do and don't control. Yeah, all of this resonates with me. I, I'm, a, I'm a natural flinkered too. And, and one of the things that that I've discovered that's helpful is talking about the kind of positive side of this is one of the things that makes us, uh, makes humans unique in, in the created order is, is this ability to kind of imagine consequences and to be aware of how we affect things and how our stewardship influences the people around us and, and those types of things. And, and, uh, I read in a book recently about how, uh, kind of what you're talking about, Tim, we have this proclivity towards negativity. We're much more just like afraid of negative things than, uh, than I mean, that's a big driver for a lot of people. And, and the book I was reading was talking about this study that they did where uh, they sort of, they had people come in and they said, uh, are you willing to take this 50-50 bet where if you win it, you get, um, you know, $50. And if you lose it, you just leave with nothing just like you came. And then another subset, they they kind of gave them $50 of cash at the very beginning and said, this is yours to keep. <laughs> yeah. Are you willing to take a bet to lose it 50-50? Uh-huh. And the numbers right. are just strikingly different yeah. about people are much less willing mm-hmm. to gamble what they have. And and that, for me, is kind of where a lot of this flinking comes from, is this the fear of something negative happening is so kind of strong and, and powerful in us for whatever reason but one thing that's helpful for me is to slow down and imagine some positive consequences, you know, to imagine what it might look like for me to fail at this thing at work and communicate it to uh, my coworkers and have them for, you know, forgive me and have them have it be a learning experience, uh, which is helpful for me to kind of turn it, as you're saying, Tim, into into a positive possibility. Well, when, when I uh, this this thing of is there anything I can do about it? So. Um, I'm in the oil and gas business, and it's the riskiest business you can imagine. It's, um, you know, the price of of oil swings all over the place, and you know we we make our investment up front and then get the get the return over 50 years. I mean, it's it's incredibly volatile business and uh, very difficult. So it's fraught with risks, and and one of the one of the things we spend a lot of time on is are there what ways can we use to mitigate the risks? How can we stay in business? 
And in that respect, it's very useful. And especially if you can, if you can, uh, if you can uh, make a clear distinction between the risks you can hedge and the risks you cannot hedge, the risks you can mitigate and the risks that you cannot mitigate. And you can actually put a, a cost on the mitigation and a, and a potential cost on the outcome of, you know, whatever that risk is and make a decision of is it worth worth the money to mitigate that risk. So that's an actual exercise you can go through, and in that respect, it's extremely useful. Uh, on the other hand, if you try to eliminate risk, you're just going to, you know, end up living in a bunker. Yeah, I going back to what you were talking about before about, like, um about going through and asking yourself the question, like, if this happens, like, what would I do? And if that happens, what would I do? And, like, you know, buy a backup generator and do this and do that. Um, but then I think the the next step is so important. After you do all those things, you have to ask the question, who do I trust? Do I trust God? Or do I trust my own ability to control these things? Because I think that a negative side of all of this could be you've ever watched the show Hoarders, um, how people just like fill their spaces in their houses with all of this stuff um, that they cling to for security um, or for sentimentality purposes. Um, and what could happen in on a negative side of things is that you try to mitigate so many risks because you only trust yourself to be in control of what happens in, in control of your circumstances that you end up pursuing this incredibly unhealthy lifestyle um, that is not only to the detriment of yourself, but to the detriment of those around you. Yeah, well, hoarding is a great example. You know, that hoarding is a is one of the most uh, worst sicknesses that you can have. And, you you, you know, you can hoard materials things. Uh, and, and if you took an objective view, you'd say, really? Is that really that valuable, that important, whatever it is you're clinging to for security, as you said? And and this is a human tendency, actually, is to, is to cling on to something and say, instead of saying, I can trust God in uncertainty, you say, I can cling to this thing, and it creates certainty. So when the COVID pandemic came, I had this conversation with, with somebody, really smart person, and uh, they said, boy, we're entering in a period of uncertainty. And I said, and I said, yeah, you already know what's coming, right? And I said, and I said oh, okay, so before this happened, you knew what the future was going to be, and now you don't know what the future is going to be? And he said, oh, that's a pretty good point. I guess it really was uncertain. So that's real. It's always uncertain. Uh, it's just sometimes we're more aware of the uncertainty than other times. And really what it's saying is we have a mental model about what's going to happen in the future. And uh, when that, based on our current reality, it's going to be the same tomorrow as it is today. Well, actually, it's not going to be the same tomorrow as it is today. It may feel like it is, but it won't be. Uh, we're always sailing into uncertainty, total uncertainty. You, your heart may beat the next beat, and it may not. And, you know, it's it's beneficial, I think, to have a reality of being aware of that and just to live, well, I can trust God in that. I, don't, I do not have to worry about whether my heart stops beating. I can trust that. Now, if I were to get out of shape 
and let my heart deteriorate because I weren't exercising, I would regret that. So I walk 20 minutes a day, not 20, you know, and because I, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to have regret that uh, I could have done something and didn't. And, you know, past that, you know, it's such a diminishing returns that that's good enough. You know, that's good enough. I've, I've done what I can do. The rest I just trust God with would be another example. Yeah, I think the trust thing that, that both Tim and Kylie have talked about here is such an important element of, of what's behind foinking and really a foundation for our decision making. We have to choose uh, who or what we trust. And I think that the, like we've said in, in a few different ways, the foinking phenomenon is us saying, I only trust my ability to control future circumstances. And so I have got to take control over these potentially negative uh, future outcomes and uh, and make sure that they that they don't happen. And I think one of the big side effects of that is that it drifts us away from reality. It drifts us, you know, Tim, you mentioned this, whether it's negative consequences or positive consequences, if if we get too um, committed, too attached to our imagination, it can drift us away from reality, which undermines our ability to make sound and wise choices because we are not coming from a foundation of uh, of just what is real, what is true. Yeah, you know, there's a Bible parable that basically makes this point. There's a rich guy, and he retires and builds a bunch of barns to store a bunch of extra grain in, which, you know, in modern terminology, he has a giant bank account. And he says, this has set me up for life. I'm now secure. And it says, you foolish man, you're you're going to die the next day. Your soul is required of you. Then how, how what good are your barns going to do? Then what good's your IRA going to do you? So it's essentially don't put security in things that don't last, you know, uh, or don't don't put your hope in things that aren't actually secure. Now that doesn't mean it's 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 wrong to have uh, you know a barn or an IRA. What it is, it's not it's living in non-reality to put your trust in something that can't. Be, that isn't trustworthy to actually provide you with this future security. It's foolish to do that. So, Tim, this is a little bit of a shift, but how um, I'm thinking about, you know, your example of if my kid doesn't clean his room, he's going to, you know, be a drug addict or, or whatever it is. One of the things that's hard for me about foinking is that it can sometimes be harder than it seems to really discern when I'm in this kind of absurd spiral and when I'm in something that's kind of more truth-based. So so my question is, how can a person tell when they're spiraling sort of out of reality? What are some like telltale signs that they may be foinking and it may be uh, damaging their ability to make proper decisions? Well, it's important to recognize that the future is never real. Okay, so uh, this is a point that C.S. Lewis makes well in the uh, in the uh, screw tape letters. He has uh, Wormwood. Um, he he instructs uh, screw tape instructs Wormwood to 
always get the patient to focus on the future, like fear of war or something like that, because the future's not real. It doesn't exist. And if he lives in non-existence, that'll keep him from focusing on the present, which is where uh, human souls meet eternity, because you can actually make choices in the present. So it's always important to recognize the future is never real, and you never know what's going to happen in the future. So if you're not if you're not taking your future thinking, whatever it is, and bringing it into present action, then it's useless, and it's uh, it's not worth spending any time on. Now your mind automatically does it, but I would just you know I, you probably saw that movie, The Beautiful Mind, where the guy has these imaginary friends and. And he recognizes, oh, they're not real, and stops paying attention to them. And and later on, he says, well, they're still there, and they always kind of look sad because I won't pay attention to them. But um, I know they're not real. Well, you kind of do that with this your mind's automatically projection of you. You take every projection and say, well, is that useful to me in planning planning for future actions? You know, do sh- do I should I buy a generator today? Should I buy insurance today? Should I uh, hedge my prices today? Uh, should I, you know, put some water us by? Okay, well, if I'm if I'm not going to take present action, then I'm just going to ignore that that future projection because it's not it's not real. It's not helping me any. I think that's so good. You know, just to use another example, if if I make a mistake at work and I am uh, you know foinking, then my decision making will often entail. If I admit to this mistake, I'm going to get fired or my coworkers aren't going to trust me or and I'm never going to find a job again and we're never going to pay rent and my family is going to be out on the streets. And, 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 you know, that is, I think, how a lot of us make decisions is we start drifting into that imaginary future and we make decisions. OK, well, I can't admit to this. I've got to blame somebody else at work because if I do, then this you know, uh, this future is going to become a reality. And what you're saying is so great, Tim. What that does is it undermines the actual choice that I have in front of me today. I've made this mistake. I have a team. Do I trust them? Um, what is What are my values and how do I make choices based off of that? And so the idea that like, you know, I think with foinking, it, it feels so powerful when it's happening to you or, or when you're, you're doing it. You you really feel like that future is going to happen. It's it's so it feels more real to you than your present. And I think that uh, is a real danger zone for people. Yep. And uh, I've actually seen this happen before what you're talking about. And, and here here's the kind of thing you can you can do to bring yourself back into reality is this is self-talk. Um, there's, I read a book one time about uh, some deep-sea divers, and they learn, they learn when to recognize they're getting the bends. When you're getting the bends, you start hallucinating. And this one guy said, uh, uh, the, the author said that one, one of the divers said, you know, like a crab will come by and start talking to you. Hey, how you doing today, Joe? And when that happens, you have to say to yourself, oh, I have the bends. I need to go to the surface. And that's the difference between divers that survive and divers that take off their mask and start talking to the crab and wander off and die, which is apparently fairly common. Uh, back, back before they had uh, 
other ways to deal with it. So the, the, you're always in you're always in kind of deep water with respect to reality. We're we're all deep water divers when it comes to reality, and, and you have to always be talking to yourself and asking yourself, you know, what is real. And and so let, let's in that take that scenario where oh I made a mistake. If they find out, I'm going to get fired. Well, here, here's the proper way to talk to yourself. Okay, so if they find out and I get fired, then this is a place where I am going to get fired. Okay, so there's that's just going to happen. It's a it's a conclusion. It's a it's a known conclusion. So if I go and I say hey, I made this mistake and they fire me then that's going to happen anyway because they're eventually going to find out. I'm not going to be able to, to uh, cover this up. And if I cover it up, they're gonna, the probability of them firing me for that is very high. Okay? So I can either find out how much, how much, uh, what kind of culture this is and whether they're going to forgive me for something and help me learn, and probably I'll be okay, or I can, I can wait and have a near certainty I'm going to get fired. So I'm not sure which one it is, but I know I know going and facing it now has a much higher probability of a positive outcome. So I'm going to do that. Well, I've seen people take the other road and get fired, and uh, that's and that's probably because they let the crab talk to them, so to speak. As we talk about this, I keep getting just a picture of the project mood curve. Um, in my head and am sort of wondering if there is like, how does foinking play out in the project mood curve and how does it affect our decision-making when we are in the pit of despair um, and our emotions are sort of high because we are foinking? Well, it actually plays a role all the way through the project mood curve. When we start off, we have all these imaginations of grandeur. You know, I'm going to do this exercise program, and two days after I start, I'm going to have lost 50 pounds, and I'm going to look like uh, you know the this weightlifter, and and I'm going to be you know tossing people around because I'm so strong. And then, so that's a kind of foink, and that that foink may be good in that it gets you into the program. <laughs> And then three days later, you're sore and you can't even pick up as much as you could the first day and you haven't lost 50 pounds. Maybe you're gaining weight because you're starting to add muscle and you didn't think about that and and now you're in the pit of despair. And, and in reality, um, you know, it, it's, it's the same in, in every respect. It's, um, it's, you know, can you talk yourself can you talk yourself into seeing reality as it is? And a lot of times, it, it just takes um, it just takes a team effort to do that. Some sometimes you can't do it on your own. You need somebody else to be there with you and say, "Look, you're in the pit of despair. I was there too. Just keep going. If you'll stick with it for one month, your soreness will go away, and this will become a routine for you." Now, come on, let's do it together. Do you have any other advice for our listeners concerning foinking and decision-making? Well, foinking can lead to an incredibly counterproductive life if you don't, if you don't deal with it. So this is not, a, this is not like a, um, well, you know, maybe I can take it or leave it thing. If you're a foinker and you try to live the illusion of control by controlling you know, one domino in a large string, 
you're going to you're going to do things that are really highly counterproductive and you're going to be living in a, a lifestyle that's illusory which is great enormously to your detriment it's a really bad way to live in many respects and you might find yourself control trying to control people you love to their detriment because you have this you know uh, compulsion you may find yourself being compulsive about things that don't even make any sense to the detriment of many things you could be doing to your great enjoyment in life. Uh, you, you could, it actually, you could end up with uh, mental health problems. Uh, you know, mental health, let's, let's say, you know, what is mental health? It's thinking in reality rather than non-reality. And if you choose to live in foinking, you're embracing non-reality on a routine basis. So I would say really important to recognize that this is something we all do. And if it's something that's actually driving your behavior, it's crucial that you actually uh, uh, understand this and go from non-reality to reality and recognize there are some things I can do if I can actually do them in the present. There's nothing I can do that changes the future. I can prepare for it. I can't change it. I can only choose to trust God in it and just constantly tell yourself that. And, and what you'll find is it kind of changes your whole approach to thing. You know, um, I think most people are afraid to go to the doctor when they have a symptom because they don't want to hear the diagnosis. I think that's, that's pretty common. Well, just think about that, okay? I have a symptom. If I find out quickly, I can get treatment and live. If I don't find out quickly, I'm probably, you know, it's going to compound and I'm going to die. And which one do I pick? I'm so used to living in non-reality that I'm more comfortable choosing to pretend I don't, that if I don't know, I don't have it, than I am actually learning and then doing something about it. It's crazy, but that's really common. Yeah. It sounds to me like this is just like a whole new level to victim circle mentality where it's not even circumstances life and people are affecting me it is the things that i think could possibly happen are affecting me and i am a victim of those things i think that's well said yeah the it's the it's applying the victim circle to future circumstances <laughs> and being a victim of the future circumstances instead of living in reality and so you know i now and I, I, I'm a pretty extreme foinker, okay? I would say I'm, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a 9.8. You know, I, I do it very extreme. But, you know, I've, 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 uh, and I, I, and I don't, and I do not uh, think of it as a detriment. I think of it as an asset because of my ability to imagine things. But I do not um, have angst going to the doctor you know, for my checkups, because I just think of it in terms of if I find out some reality and I can do something about it, I can. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. Whether I know or not is not the issue. It, it, I mean, it's not real if I know it, not real if I don't know it. It's either there or it isn't. And if I have a sickness, maybe I can do something about it. So 
If I don't, if if I do have a sickness and I can't do anything about it, I'm going to die. Might as well know. You know, it's uh, it's going to happen sometime. But that's just a, a door. I go through that door and into another life. Yeah, Tim, I I I actually f- have to kind of fight that battle every time I get sick. There, there's that narrative pops in my head of just like just don't go to the doctor, even don't even tell Kylie about it, it and it, it's not. You know, it, it won't be real. It won't really be happening. And I love what you said before about the kind of talking crab. A lot of times I think we think about all of issues like this and we think I've got to get that voice to go away. And that's not necessarily true. You've got to uh, develop some practices and the courage to recognize that that's a talking crab. It, it, maybe it's just going to be there. and But I can decide to listen to it or not. And I think a lot of people, as soon as those kinds of thoughts come into their head, it's, it just, that the, just the thought feels so real that they feel like they've, they've kind of lost and they have to give into it. But that's, that's not the case. Well, there's another version that might be uh, part of foinking too. It's if I think it, then I have to do it. If that thought came into my head, then it's a part of me and I have to do it. Well, the Bible never says have pure thoughts that I know of. It says dwell on what's pure. It's It doesn't say don't have bad thoughts. It, look, if you believe what the Bible says about you've got a flesh dwelling in you that's connected to the world and sin and Satan and, and there's nothing good dwelling in it, you're going to have bad thoughts. It's going to come from this flesh. You're going to have them all the time. But what, it's, what the Bible says is take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Dwell on these things, what is good, what is true, what is noble, what is true. Well, you're going to have all kinds of thoughts come in your mind. You know, uh, uh, you could go steal that thing. You could jump off that bridge. You could uh, whatever else. You know, you're going to die tomorrow. Okay, well, all right. Yeah, I'm going to jump off the bridge. Well, I'm actually going to choose not to. I could. I could do that, but I wouldn't want to. I don't want to do that. Just because a thought came into my mind has no bearing on the choice I make, okay? And that's just my flesh telling me stuff. I don't have to listen to that. It's just the crab. It's the flesh. It's it's talking to me. I do not have to, I do not have to dwell on that, and I don't have to do it. There's no compulsion whatsoever. My will is something completely different, and I, and I don't have to do that. Um, and then you can also have a, a foinking that's not so much about the future as it is about what how people are looking at you. So this is another kind of, well, that person, oh, I, oh, I, I saw they kind of closed one eye a little bit. Oh, that means they're thinking this of me. And oh, oh, that person over there, they looked away. When they looked away, they were thinking about this about me. Or, or I, I know why that person did that because that, you know what's really probably true? They're not thinking about me. Really highly, highly probably true. They're not thinking about me. But you know, my crab wants to think everybody's thinking about me. Why? Because we're the because center of our own universe. Because <laughs> I have a universe with me at the center and everything revolving around it. And that's, that's another version of foinking. It's just not real. It's like when uh, when someone takes a picture and and uh, everyone look, g- gathers around the phone to look at it, and you you everybody looks immediately at themselves. And if you look yeah. gross or terrible, you're like, you got we got to delete this. I, and but everyone's looking at their own their own how they look in that picture as well. 
Well, there's a reason why the Bible says love other people like you love yourself. So everyone loves themselves. And you say, well, then why are, why are some people self-destructive? Because they're people. Man, everything we do, our natural bent, our fleshly natural bent, every, all of it is self-destructive in its, in its uh, orientation. And this whole take every thought to the obedience of Christ and learning to curb your appetites, learning to invest in the future, learning to defer pleasure, learning to serve others, all of that actually leads to real life. That's what's actually in our benefit. But all these things that are our basic nature, like immediate gratification, uh, the way the way for me to get my appetites uh, uh, satisfied is to exploit other people now. All those things are self-destructive. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Tim. This has been so insightful and so helpful. Um, and I know that Joey and I have learned a lot along the way in this conversation, um, and it has definitely broadened our perspectives. Um, and I know it's going to be really valuable to our listeners as well. For any of you who are wondering, what's the Project Mood Curve? What's the Victim Circle? What's that all about? You can go to our website at thecrossroad.net and search in our tools. Um, and we actually have a bunch of different mental models that can help us to be more intentional and more self-aware of our here, of our current reality, so that we can be intentional about taking steps towards where we are actually headed and where we are actually going, as opposed to an imagined future. Thank you for listening to The Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.